Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here's Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. What an intro. I, I really love that intro, especially the the bang by Mike Breen on the Carmelo Anthony three. That that's awesome every time. But this is Pick and Pod, NBA podcast for WFV Sports. Jack Roche, Nick Fada alongside with me. A good amount of basketball to talk about, especially in the New York area. We got two games last night. We also had Celtics. Lakers, we're gonna get all that in just a bit. But firstly, how are you guys doing? I would be better if if that pick and pot intro said Nets, Knicks, and all things basketball related. It says Knicks first. You know, uh, like I want some Nets love. I think I Nets, want some Nets. I think Knicks sounds a little better first. Uh, as New York's team, I think it makes sense for them to come first as well. I mean, but. if we're if we're talking about the standings, let, let's, do not, let's do Nets first. Let's do Nets first. I know they're not really New York's team right now, the Knicks, but. A big win last night, which we'll get to. But I do want to start with the Nets because this is a really interesting Nets team. I, I, I know I see your face because <laughs> you are our Nets beat reporter, but it's an interesting team because we don't talk about them enough, and they're really good at basketball. They get the win last night. They're coming up, the before that they had the loss against the Bulls, which we'll talk about. But a big win last night over the Mavericks for the Nets, and this is a team that looks very good. They're first in the Eastern Conference. And they've got two of the best players in the NBA. We know how good Kevin Durant is. I think we took James Harden a little lightly at the beginning of the season. We didn't really take him seriously, especially with those rule changes, but he's really come along. And they've got two great basketball players. And not you can't say that about a lot of NBA teams right now. Yeah, I was talking to Ryan Gregory last night about James Harden. And he's like, there's no chance I would give him a super max. He's just not playing at that level. And I was like... Listen, you can say what you want about the scoring numbers, but if you're averaging nine assists and almost eight rebounds per game, you're an elite player. I mean, yeah, 23 and 12 and nine last night against the Mavericks in the 102 99 win over Dallas. And how much better do you need to be when you have Kevin Durant on your team? I mean, he's probably top two in the MVP race alongside Steph Curry. He had 24 points last night, and that was almost a like a not a great night for him, but he shows up in the big moments. I mean, James Harden doesn't need to be this, like, Batman. He just needs to be kind of a Robin. And I think that's what makes this Nets team really interesting is that when you have a Kevin Durant and then a James Harden as your two, I mean, it doesn't really get better than that. And, you know, we barely talk about this Brooklyn team. I know because the Knicks are in New York. But what they're doing, I think, you know, we need to take a, a little bit of time to just you know, this is a legit NBA Finals contender. Yeah, I think really what people forget about James Harden is he's averaging, I think, 20 and a half points per game right now, which is probably his career low since he left OKC back in the beginning of his career. But you're still scoring over 20 points a game. You're still averaging the double-digit assists, basically, the eight rebounds. He's James Harden. He's showed time in and time out that he is a superstar in this league. Takes a little bit of time, the adjustments. Obviously, the rule changes were definitely not in his favor. But you have him basically as the second guy on this team, especially without Kyrie Irving. And I think the Nets are finally starting to mold together to, to show they are still a championship contender without Kyrie Irving. They've got a lot of pieces. Marcus Aldridge just played spectacularly well after coming back. He had 15 points last night. Another guy I love who, who 
has had some spurts as their rookie, Cam Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy just can, can score from anywhere at any time. He's a spark plug. And then Patty Mills has been spectacular. One of the best three-point shooters in the league, another vet. Uh, they got a lot of guys that just know exactly what they're doing, how to do it, where to do it, uh, and they get the job done. They were down big last night against the Mavs, and they came back and were able to pull off a dub. Yeah, those guys are really, to me, the key to unlocking this Nets team because we talk so much about Kevin Durant and James Harden, and listen, we could spend a whole podcast talking about James Harden and the rule change, and, well, that's come back to earth, you know, like in terms of the, the actual foul numbers. I don't want that to be the focus right now. Like, I want to talk about the James Johnsons of the teams, the guys that, like, initially didn't have a role in the rotation and have carved that out for themselves. And now James Johnson's, like, in every day, I mean, how many minutes? He had 25 minutes last night. Mm -hmm. And that, like, 12 points, to me, is not surprising because we're starting to see that more and more. And it's the same thing that LaMarcus Aldridge did, like, carving out his spot. And I I like that this, um, this Nets team, when a guy like... Blake Griffin isn't producing, you bring in Paul Millsap. You know, he had, I think, he checked in to the Bulls game, and while they ultimately lost, in his first six minutes, he gives you 11 points. You know, and there aren't that many teams in the NBA that just have, you know, a number of guys that can give you that off the bench, and now you're starting to get Nick Claxton involved again. Yeah, I think, and I want to make another point about, you know, this Brooklyn Nets team. The biggest thing I was worried about was the depth and the defense. And I think if you looked at last season, that was something that worried you. They were 23rd in defensive rating last season. But this season, they're a lot better defensively to the point where they're an above-average defensive team, 7th in defensive rating this season. And the offense is relatively the same. So they've really made an improvement last season, and... You wouldn't have thought that losing Kyrie Irving, I think that was really the thing that took up all the news around the Nets, but they're a really good team without him. It's almost to the point where do they really even need him? And, and you can say at this point, no. They're 17-7. and They're sitting atop the East. Uh, and again, what, what you really can look at is their two leaders in Kevin Durant and James Harden. Those guys are two MVPs. They're guys who have led teams on their own before. They're guys who have led teams together before early in their careers uh Kyrie Irving is obviously a lot of drama he's obviously one of the best talents the NBA has seen uh but you know obviously there was a little bit of a struggle and adjustment period for everyone Uh, I don't I don't really have much concern I almost forget Kyrie Irving and, and then similar to Ben Simmons which we'll get to but I almost forget these guys are really even in the league right now because we're 25 games through the season they have been pretty silent since the first 10 or so games news wise uh, I think it's clear Kyrie's not coming back this season regarding unless there's some sort of rule change nah, with nah, nah. exactly right so no no the rule change no I, I don't want to I don't think there's going to be a I don't rule think change. there will well, the interesting thing is that Kenny Smith said if you watched an NBA and TNT yesterday he said he his prediction was that Kyrie Irving would play for the Brooklyn Nets this season yeah. I I agree with him and maybe I'm just know. being delusional I have no read on the situation I don't, I, I don't know nobody has so uh, like coach Nash talks about it mostly pregame like reporters ask him about that pregame and his response every time essentially is you know we stay in touch with him we text him but we don't talk about basketball and that's that's all he'll say so what I can take away from this is that Kyrie Irving's alive you know he's on he's on this planet and that's it. That's all I know. This flat. So and I, I think I feel like it's just gonna be learning. Like every day, maybe we get a new, you know, nugget of information. But I would like to see where we're at in the situation, like post All Star break. 
True. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a weird. I I feel like it's it's so much unknown, but it's tough to say if he, if they're going to trade him. I'm not sure if there there's a team out there that's going to take him. And I could see maybe you don't think anything's changing, you know, that he might be in a Nets jersey after the All-Star break. So there was uh I think Scoop B Robinson put out some article yesterday about how something about like a plant-based like vaccine it, it was the oh most I, I couldn't shout out scoopy did our you know workshop the other day but i didn't think there was much uh, there I'll, I'll leave it at that what i'll say is i think the nets limit is is Kyrie irving they're they're playing very well they've transformed their identity they're they're a much stronger defensive team it's not just the duran and harden show everyone gets involved but I think that they are definitely limited by, you know, whether Kyrie's there or not. And you see these big games where they play the Suns. They play who they lose to earlier. They've played big games where they just haven't showed up and one of those games I was at Saturday night was the Bulls and they they had a lead for most of the game. They played some of their most cohesive basketball through three quarters, but the fourth comes around and they, they just coughed up the lead. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. Talking about that Bulls game, they lose 111-107. to We have a good sound piece from Paul Millsap. He had this to say after the game. We want to be the team, you know, the last team standing at the end of the day. And for us to do that, you know, I believe that um, we got to be more collectively together. Um, and we just got to continue to figure it out. And, you know, up until this point, we, we've done a great job of doing that, and we just got to continue to to grow. So they lose to the Bulls Saturday night, 111-107, but they beat the Mavericks 102-99, and a big win. Kevin Durant hits a great shot, a little post fadeaway from mid-range to really ice it, and then the Mavericks have a chance at the end to tie it with a three, but they do not get a good shot off. Credit to the Nets defense on that possession. But, Jack, like you mentioned, winning these big games, and I think that's what's – the moving forward, the biggest thing for the Nets, they lose to the Suns. You know, they beat the Knicks in a narrow one, but they've had some other losses. Think about the Warriors and the Bulls. That's going to be the test for them, and that's what the biggest thing they're going to. I mean, with Kyrie Irving, I think that's going to that would help them in those big games. But I still think, like Paul Millsap said, if this Nets team can come together, they're going to be very tough at the end of the season. And then that's where I want to see them at the end of the year. You're going to be able to win those big games and. You can't really make a decision on that yet. Like looking at this Nets team, will they be able to do that? But you got to think at the end of the year they're going to be a lot more competitive in those in those big games. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost my biggest concern for the Nets then is almost their their energy, their fatigue towards the end of the season in the playoffs, especially. Obviously, they're a bit older in terms of their depth. Uh, without Kyrie, kind of takes away obviously another scoring option. Uh, at the same time, though, he comes into the league or he comes back to the league. Uh, he may throw off what's going on in Brooklyn. Say they really start to mesh and figure it out. Obviously, seventeen and seven, they have most things figured out. But there's still those big tests, like you said, Mike, about against those really top top tier teams that have proved game in and game out. Suns and Warriors, obviously, on huge win streaks, uh, respectively. Uh, I, I'm the Bulls have been probably the biggest surprise and and best surprise I think the league has seen. Uh, the Nets, you know, they fall to those guys because those teams perhaps are a little more cohesive. Uh, so it really is the test of of how really Durant and Harden I think can can elevate this team, elevate the guys around them. Because you look at other teams in the league, their stars elevate the depth around them. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, those guys just make everyone so much better around them. Harden and Durant do the same thing 
Uh, it's really just who can do it the best, and I think that's a testament to who really can lead a team as that sort of star number one and two guy. Yeah, and just one last thing about the Nets. I think that fatigue is really important. Like, we should not underplay that because last night Kevin Durant plays 40 minutes. James Harden plays 42 minutes. You can't afford to give those guys rest right now because if you play a game without one of those two guys, you lose, like, half your offense. And we we have talked about how it's not just those two guys all the time, but, I mean, they are the focal point of of everything on this team. So, you know, if you do bring back a guy like Kyrie Irving, you can afford to not have to play those guys 40 minutes every night. And and putting all your eggs in one basket makes it dangerous because if one of those guys goes down with injury, mm-hmm. then it changes a lot. And you look at some other teams, they're not as dependent on one guy. And that's a good segue into the other team in New York, the Knicks, who don't really have that one guy. You think Julius Randle, he's definitely their star. He's definitely their best player. But every night it seems like it's a different guy. Last night it was R.J. Barrett. He was absolutely dominant for the Knicks. He had a great game. And they're going to need a guy like R.J. Barrett to step up. He had 32 points last night. And that's the thing with the Knicks it's the offensive production, and outside of Randall, every night it seems like it's a different guy, but finding that consistency is really going to be the important thing. They get the big win over the Spurs last night, 121-109. to Before that, they're on a three-game losing streak. They look a lot better away than they look home. They lost two straight games at home, and they even lose the Nets game in New York. So a lot of question marks with this Knicks team, but Nick, I'll toss it to you first. You know, where are you at with them right now? Uh, I I don't know to be honest. They're an enigma to me. They they're sitting at 500, 12 and twelve. Uh, the Knicks obviously had extremely high expectations this year after really getting better talent wise, depth wise than they were last year after being uh, just so spectacular last season. You know, it's 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 tough for me to really pick. I guess w- what the biggest problem or what the biggest plus is of this team. Sometimes their defense is really lackluster. I don't like when they let guys. Uh, Derek White is a great player, but 26 points in a game, I don't think he should be scoring against the Knicks. Uh, their defense has proven to be better than that, uh, but the defense does lack in in a lot of cases, and they let a lot of guys who really are not superstars kind of go for breakout games against them, which has been very interesting this season to see. Uh, you also look at Julius Randle. He's, he's averaging 20 points a game, but he's really going for 30 or for 10 in a night. Then you look at R.J. Barrett. He may be averaging 15. He's really going for uh, 25 or 10. Uh, it's it's a lot of streakiness in the offense. They don't really know exactly who's going to step up every night. Uh, a night like last night, R.J. Barrett was so hot where you knew, okay, get this guy the ball. Uh, but, but a lot of guys really have been, I think, struggling to figure out what exactly their role is in the team. Uh, it's 24 games into the season now for the Knicks, so I think it's time they need to really start figuring that out. Uh, obviously, Kemba Walker benched is is interesting. I think they're still trying to navigate through that. Uh, he's definitely trying to navigate navigate through that. Uh, but you know, I, I think the the goal for the Knicks is obviously the same. They got to go out and play hard and win games. Uh, it's just a matter of fact of what do they need to do differently each night. They they clearly need to have a different approach to every team they play. Uh, and, and if they don't, it, like like against the Nuggets on Saturday, they they just absolutely get their butts kicked, uh, and they really don't have an answer for certain teams when they can't play like a cohesive unit, uh, like we talked about with the Nets. So it's it's interesting to see who really is going to step up. Does it have to be the same guy for the Knicks? Uh, do they need to figure something out differently on offense? Uh, I'm not sure. The answers are very tough to see here because a game like last night, pretty solid win, 12-point win on the road. Uh, Spurs aren't a great team, but the Knicks showed they were clearly the better team. So 
interesting to see the start for the Knicks. They've had a lot of great wins, a lot of sloppy losses. How can they kind of balance that out is the real question going forward. Yeah, it's it's really just consistency, I think, with this Knicks team. You know, you mentioned how, you know, Randall's going for 30 and 10. I think that's what really Evan Fournier's been doing. He'll give you 35 one night. Yeah. But then he'll go, you know, under 10 points for another game. Seven last night. Yeah, so it's just they need to find guys they can turn to, and I think Fournier can be one of them. You really need to structure the offense around him, get him the ball open around the perimeter. But it's just finding that consistency. I'm not – panicked yet with the Knicks no I think they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference but I think what's holding them back from being you know just that top top of the line Eastern Conference team is just that you know they're not all on the same page they don't know all what they're doing so I think that's really the you know the the big thing with the with this New York Knicks team yeah I've got two things to add because I was pulling up a tweet right trying to find um RJ Barrett sets his career high with seven three-pointers right and that's that's a big deal you want RJ shooting the ball but I also saw this tweet where it was uh, in, like, a, a betting community, right? Knicks won, Nets won, Islanders, Rangers. People are calling that the, the bing-bong parlay. Oh, Jesus. So and the bing-bong parlay they, they all won last, last night. night. Yeah, they all won. So if you're a New York fan, bing-bong parlay hit, you know, whole city of New York eats. So. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, it's when the Knicks win, I think the Nets are winning almost a lot of these nights. The Knicks have been, you know, the really the wild card because yeah. there's just not as much talent on that roster than Kevin Durant and James Harden. When you don't have that, you got to find more creative ways to win. And, you know, something Julius Randle's talked about, Coach Tom Thibodeau, you know, you got to win with your defense. And I think the Knicks have kind of lost that a bit this season. You could talk as much about the offensive production kind of lacking, but, you know, the defense can get better, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's been sloppy. It's been sloppy in a lot of games. Uh, you can watch – many possessions where uh, there's a, they're playing a guy who's really a superstar like Jokic, where they put so much attention on him where they almost forget about other guys in the court, leave him wide open. And, and, and I think the big men problem, that's what really showed uh, against the Nuggets. Well, Mitchell Robinson is, is another mystery to me because he's such a great defender, but he's not at the same time. Uh, he's a great rim protector, but if you put him anywhere outside of the paint, he struggles, he fouls, he gets the team into trouble, uh, he, he needs help on, on dribble drives. It's, it's troublesome uh, where you really look. It's, it's 2021 in the NBA. More often than not, you have four, maybe even five guys who can hit a three consistently. Uh, I've watched several Knicks games where they have two or three guys uh, in the paint or rotating over to the same guy where it's just an extra pass means a wide open three. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's really how they've lost a lot of their games, just too many open looks where then they get deflated as a team and, and, and try and settle and chuck up their own threes. Uh, defense leads to offense, offense leads to defense, whatever way you want to put it. Uh, the Knicks really, last season, that's where they didn't have as much offensive spark. It was really only Randall last year with a little bit from RJ here and there. Uh, but the defense was really just that driving force of the team. I think I'll, I'll always say the Atlanta Hawks went so deep in the playoffs last year because the Knicks defense tested them, the physicality, everything like that was really a good test for the Hawks, and it pushed them forward. It made them a better team in the playoffs. The Knicks this year, though, right now, did don't look like a playoff team to me. There's still much time, uh, but they have to figure out the defense. Did they, did they look like a playoff team at this point last season? Uh, that's the hard part. I don't remember question. exactly what their record they was. They were 9-13 and 13 really? this season. Wow. Yes. Well, again, last year the expectations were much lower. I think if they were to sit at 9-13 and 13 this year, it would be 
worse than what people have said about the Lakers, how the Knicks are a bust, the Knicks are can't do this, they can't do that. They're definitely not making the playoffs. I would probably think the same thing if they were at 9-13 and 13 right now. Before we end this Knicks segment, something I like to do, look at these standings, and I see who's above the Knicks. The Celtics, who we'll talk about next because they played the Lakers last night. Got the Hawks, Cavaliers, a very good season for them. They're above 500. Hornets, Sixers, Wizards, Heat, and then you've got Bucks, Bulls, Nets, which are probably the top three teams in the East right now. They're there in the standings, but I think a lot of us can see them at the top three at the end of the year. I think the Knicks can move ahead of teams like you know the 76ers, the Wizards, the Hornets, probably even the Cavaliers. I think there's room for them to move up this Eastern Conference. Will they need to go on a run? For sure. But I don't look at those teams and I don't say... Yeah, they're a lot better than the Knicks. See, here, here's my response to that, though. You know how, like, you look at, like, wild card standings in baseball, and it's mm-hmm. like, you might be three games back, but you can only gain ground on so many of those teams. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel about the Knicks compared to some of those teams you just mentioned. I think they can catch some of those teams or go past some of those teams, but they're not going to go past all of them. No, they're, they're not. I just, I see them as a top, top seven team. At the end of the season, they might be in the play-in, but I do see them being at the top of the the East, like having a chance to get in after one game, a seven and eight seed. And that's you know, I I think they need to not be in the play-in in the play-in tournament personally, mm-hmm. uh, because of just if really... you if you went from avoiding the play-in to a, if you went from a four-five game to a play-in, that's a decline. That's something that I yeah, think no Knicks fans going to want. They have see. to avoid it for for their reputation's sake, but also the fact of in in a really one game this year you can pick any next game that maybe that even that first game against the Celtics of the season they opened it up looking like they're Knicks from last season they looked great uh or you can look at a game I don't know maybe the one on, on Saturday against the Nuggets where they just get destroyed uh and, and because they don't play well so that's where that play-in really could be a problem for the Knicks if they don't show up one night they're done or maybe they do deserve to play in a, a playoff series and and kind of see figure things out but I think they got to finish Number six, uh, five could be tough at this point. You know, it's it's not late in the season. It's definitely not early at this point, obviously, but still a lot of time for them to make some ground. I think teams like the Wizards are going to start to fall off. They have depth, but no no real star to lead them. Although mm-hmm. Bradley Beal, of course, and he's not even been amazing uh, this that's, season. That's what yeah. I mean. So it's it's interesting there. The Cavs should fall off, but who knows with them? Uh, those guys have been spectacular, like you said. The the Sixers, I think they, the Knicks can definitely get by, unless there's some sort of Ben Simmons trade. Uh, you know, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks can kind of not bounce back, but bounce towards the goal, kind of kind of get get to where they need to be in this season. Definitely going to keep track of this Knicks team. I wouldn't be surprised if next week on Pink Power we're having the same exact discussion about the Knicks <laughs> after they win one, lose one, win one, lose one, yeah. and they're right at 500 again. But we'll stop with the Knicks talk. I want to shift gears to another team in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics. They had their matchup with the Los Angeles Lakers. Historic rivalry. I see Roshi showing his Celtics basketball (laughs) shirt. Nets beat reporter, Celtics fan. I'll go to you first. They lose this one to the Lakers. Lakers dominate 117 to 102. Jack, thoughts on this game and, you know, thoughts on the Celtics so far this year? Definitely not, like, super upset about this one because Jalen Brown didn't play. He's been Mm -hmm. dealing with a hamstring issue and... I know that the Celtics at times haven't looked great, but you're above 500. Jason Tatum is finally looking like himself again. Um, For him, 
I think it's about being aggressive, getting to the line, and then just hitting your threes. And he did that last night. I think he was five of seven from deep. So, yeah, you look at, you know, the final score. They lose by 15. That's upsetting. Um, But I'm not too concerned about this one. I like how Robert Williams has been playing. Tatum finally getting involved. And, you know, once once, um, Jalen Brown is healthy, I like this team, and I, I see them as one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. For me, you know, with the Celtics, they kind of remind me a bit of the Knicks in a way. Obviously, oh, Jason say Tatum. <laughs> I have to. Jason Tatum is the, is the clear-cut star, though, if you're comparing those two teams. I would say Tatum's more of a star than Randall. Oh, absolutely. That's what I, like, that's what I mean. Yeah. Tatum is a, a, a different level than, than Randall is for sure. He's going to go and score your 25 consistently he was basically. amazing last he was spectacular night. last night he, he i think he scored the first 14 points for the celtics and then he finished he had like six straight points in the fourth yeah. quarter even though the game was over he exactly. was dominant so tatum is is not the question for me there there's always questions about whether or not him and jalen brown should play together i really don't think that's much of it either what i really look at is is, is other guys like you know marcus smart even has some nights where he can go for 20 and and, and obviously his defensive impact is really the the key for him uh, but he had six last night in 33 minutes. Dennis Schroeder is another guy. You're expecting 15 to 20 points. Uh, he had 10. You know, it's there's there's guys on this team that I think even Josh Richardson has had a lot of potential. I think another three and D type of player. There's guys on this team with a lot of potential to go and do things uh, really offensively. I think where it can take a load off of Tatum, take a load off of Brown. Uh, I think there was a game, Jack. I'm sure you'll know a week or two ago against the Blazers. Uh, it was a they were in. Portland, and I think they scored 140 points, something they, like that. They scored 145 45. Points. Yeah. So there's there's nights like that where this offense just seems like, wow, they got a lot of weapons. This offense has explosive ability. I think we can all say that. And if, if they everyone's bring it out, gets it going, then yes. that's really where I think this team, that's where I want to say, if they don't bring it out, I would say the Knicks could surpass them. But if the, the Celtics can tap into their full potential, I think they, even if the Knicks do tap into their full potential, I think the Celtics are a much better team. They have a lot of they they have a lot of depth and they have a lot of talent. It's just really everyone bringing it out. And last night that was just not the case. The Lakers played a better game. Yeah, two two guys that I'm big on that I think could really help the Celtics are Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Mm. And in that game where they went off for 145, they combined for 30. Last night I think they went for around 20. Um, if they play more of an increased role off the bench, I, I just like Neesmith particularly because I think that his like his forte is shooting. We knew that coming out of college. He went to Vanderbilt. Uh, that's the reason why he was uh, a first-round pick. And he's shown at times like him being an actual rotational guy, but it, it just has been like Coach Ime Udoka hasn't consistently given him minutes, and maybe he has to prove himself. But when those two guys are in the rotation, I think that's a really good sign for the Celtics. Yeah, I think like any team, the bench unit is going to be a, a big difference maker. And I think that showed against the Lakers last night. Russell Westbrook dominated against that second unit. when Because I think he's great for the Lakers when you take LeBron and AD off the floor. He can score with anybody. So he was unstoppable in that third quarter, and that really pulled away. That, that really was what the difference maker was. The Lakers were able to pull away you know, after that. And you know, kind of looking at the other side of this game instead of the Celtics, this Los Angeles Lakers team, if the big three is together when they're on the floor and they look like the chemistry's there, I, I think it's way too early to be worried about the Lakers. I'm not saying they're a top three team in the West, but 
I think I see him in that 4-5 game. This is a good team. It's going to come down to Anthony Davis because he had 15 points last night. He wasn't great. He can be better, but LeBron's production is going to be there. I think Westbrook is going to score, especially with the bench unit. It's just going to be Anthony Davis, in my opinion. I think he's going to be the question mark. Can he reach his full potential? Because that's going to be the Lakers' full potential. Yeah, the question mark for me is the motor and, and drive of, of everyone on this Lakers team. It's obviously a team full of vets, uh, older team. When when they still play, like you said, they're they're ridiculous. They're, they're a spectacular team. Uh, their big three combined for 71 last night. More often than not, those guys go for over 70 points. They should win a game. Uh, you know, yeah, Anthony Davis really has always, not always, but since ever since that, that bubble title, I, I don't know. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's just something else slowing him down. He has not seemed like the same player uh, where in 2020 you consider him a top five player in the league. I don't even think he's in the top ten conversation right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so he's he's been a bit of a letdown there. He's still a spectacular player, uh, but he's not exactly doing everything you're hoping for. From him, uh, you know, LeBron is LeBron, of course. I, I think the the thing for LeBron is he's going to slow down. It's just a matter of keeping him fresh. Uh, he, he's 36 minutes in a night is, I think, a probably a cap of a number for what he should be playing. He's 37 year, years old, year 19. And then Russ, you know, Russ is really interesting to me because he's kind of the motor of, of the team, in my opinion. He's always nonstop energy. And like you said, Mike, when he works with that second unit, it reminds me of his days in OKC after Kevin Durant left because he didn't really have a great team over there, and he kind of led that team kind of on his shoulders with the scoring, with the passing. Uh, it's it's something I think he really thrives in, where him and LeBron are very similar facilitators. When Russ is out there without LeBron, with that bench unit, more so shooters than anyone, uh, it, it really gets interesting for me to watch because Russ is when Russ is on, he's one of the most electric and fun players to watch in the NBA. Uh, there's 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 potential for the Lakers. I think absolutely they're a game above 500. A lot of time left. Uh, I just hope they could stay healthy for the NBA stake because it's a fun team to watch. It's it's Showtime Laker basketball kind of back back in its glory. I think uh, it's it's really you know I I don't know if they're gonna make it out of the playoffs is a long way away. Of course we'll see if they can mesh like all these other teams. A lot of going a lot of stuff going on, but. As of right now, I would say, yeah, they'll be fine to get to the playoffs. They'll probably stroll in around a five or six seed. But that's what I think they need to do because Barkley last night on on uh, TNT said they don't want to see the Suns or the Warriors as a seven or eight seed. And I think that's absolutely true because those two teams are teams that have shown they can beat anyone on any given night uh, with anyone really even playing in the lineup. Devin Booker hasn't been in a couple games. Same thing with Chris Paul. They've won. Uh, the Lakers also lost to them last year, so I I think the Lakers have a lot of work to do still, but there's definitely potential for them. Yeah, I I think a couple things to say about the Lakers. I think firstly, LeBron James is the leading scorer on the team right now. At his age, he's 37. Anthony Davis has to be the leading scorer on the Lakers. If you want to win an NBA championship, he has to be the best player on the team, and it can't be LeBron James still. I know how great LeBron is, even if LeBron's a top 10, top 5 player still which I think he'd probably even be top five. Anthony Davis needs to be the best player on this team. He's 28. You're in your prime. You cannot be being outplayed by LeBron James. I don't I don't think that's a possibility if the Lakers want to do damage in the playoffs. Secondly, outside of LeBron, Russell Westbrook, and the AD, the scoring gets very thin. Yeah. And if one of those guys goes down, which we've seen throughout the year, this big three's only played, I think, 11 or 12 games together. If 
if one of those guys goes down near the end of the season, you get really worried about where they're going to find points. And I think that's a big question. The offensive production's kind of been lacking this season for the Lakers because those big three have not been on the floor together and because they don't have enough guys who can step up. I think that's where I get worried with the Lakers. You deal a lot of guys to get Russell Westbrook. You lose some of your depth. And you need all three of those guys on the floor to be successful. And I think it's a simple conclusion. If those three guys are healthy by the end of the season, I think the Lakers can win a playoff series or two, and I think they're going to make a run at the Western Conference Finals. If not, then it's a very different scenario. Yeah, I agree. And a guy that I – when they first signed this guy to a one-year deal, I was thrilled because we saw Malik Monk yeah. in college. We saw him with the Hornets. And the narrative has always been the same. Like, we know what he's capable of, but can he do it consistently? We haven't really seen that yet with the Lakers. There are, t- there are times when he provides that spark. And I think that going forward, if he can, in like, last night he had 10 points, nothing crazy. But I've always been so intrigued by his potential. So if the Lakers can get a lot out of him, that's a – and he's pretty young. He had a sick dunk last night. I'm I didn't sure see it. I didn't see it. Cool. It was like a win. Yeah, it was sick. But – he he is, he is he's he, 23. He's probably yeah. like I think he might be the one of the youngest players on the team. It's oh, yeah. a very old team. I think he's the youngest. Uh maybe yeah, uh, one of if not the youngest yeah, I think, on the team. Yeah, I mean I Austin Reeves is 23 as well. Yeah, That's the only he guy was an I was older guy of. too in college. But he's right there. I he could be a one of the difference makers for this team because I just talked about, you know, how injuries have kind of played them and staying healthy would be a big question. Getting those guys like Malik Monk to step up maybe an Austin Reeves, who's kind of young after that. You have a lot of older guys on that bench. That's what I'm worried about with the Lakers. How are they going to fare at the end of an 82-game season? Are they going to be the same entering the playoffs? I mean, your bench unit's made up of Avery Bradley, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, you know, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard. All those guys are well into their 30s. Yeah, uh, the, the offensive support from the bench worries me in the way of that I mean, even this Taylor Horton Tucker was a bench player for these guys. Uh, he jumped in the starting lineup pretty recently. But between the three guys I would go for for offense outside of the big three are Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, and Taylor Horton Tucker. The Taylor Horton Tucker is young too, twenty one. They're all three of those guys are flamethrowers though. So what 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 that means in my mind is they need shots to get going, and that can be problematic uh, if you have both uh, if you have multiple guys uh, on the court like that who have to put up their shots to kind of get going. You know, we've seen Melo have 20-point games and really lead the Lakers to a couple of wins. Malik Monk has had a couple of games like that. Horton Tucker's proved he can score the ball. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see really how they can step up consistently or if, if it's one guy Tuesday night, the next guy Wednesday night, uh, because you know LeBron's not going to be able to play for 30 every night. Most nights, yes, but he's going to need those breaks. Anthony Davis is showing right now he's not the 25-point point per game scorer. Maybe I think when he was with the Pelicans or his first year, he was 28-12 and 12 or something. Uh, he's not that right now. And, no. and Russ will keep going, but we don't know necessarily how efficient he'll be. Other guys are going to have to step up. It's no secret. I think it's it comes down to those three and really just getting going. Malik Monk probably and, and Horton Tucker have not tapped into their full potential yet. Uh, at, at such a young age they are. Melo, you know what to expect, uh, but you just hope that Melo can show up and do his role off the bench. He plays 20 minutes a night, he should be set. He rebounds the ball very well, too. He's like a big man for them. Uh, I, I love Carmelo, obviously, as a, he, as yeah, a he, Knicks fan. And he's gotten a lot better defensively. Exactly. He, he's worked. I think he really, really wants the ring this year. I think he knows this is kind of it. 
and, and there's hope for for them and, and for him especially. I think he's really re- revitalized his career since coming back. And, and with the Lakers, he has so much life, passion, and energy. Again, it's it's great to see. And I I hope these guys on the bench can kind of give a spark that the Lakers need. Before we wrap up this Lakers, I want to throw one more thing out there. Anthony Davis, you look at his scoring, you know, dip this season, three-point percentage, 18%, Oof. 18.8%. That's the lowest mark of his career, which I think is really fascinating. He's also taken the least threes since 2016, 2017. So that's something that he's going to have to work on, the jump shot, being able to stretch the floor, something that I'm going to watch out for with the Lakers. I want to end this episode of Ping Pod with, one last discussion, there was a report that came out that Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons or that he looks for more defensive players around him, defensive wing players. This uh, report came from Damian Lillard's camp, uh, even though the rumors were told to be false. I think it's interesting to think about what that combo could be. You know, they, They're saying that these rumors aren't true, but I think if you know Ben Simmons was sent to Portland, that could be an interesting pairing. I'm not sure if you guys see that as a possibility because we're getting to the point of the season where we could see some trades happen, especially with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Nick, I'll toss it to you first. Do you see that you know that pairing maybe a being a potential match, or or maybe take this question as you know where do you see Damian Lillard's future in Portland? Uh, you know, if if Simmons goes there, it would be interesting. Of course, I think for for Dame, he's had help maybe not enough of it but it's it's been the same team basically for the last five years uh with a couple of role players switching in here and there so I think a change is due maybe not out of Portland I think he's made it clear he wants to keep playing in Portland he loves it there uh yeah maybe a change is good he's clearly a scorer this season's been a little bit of a down year for him so far but I, I have faith he'll pick it up uh and and Simmons maybe he just needs a change of scenery to really tap into his full potential as well. He's still young. He was a number one pick for a reason. Uh, I, I think he hasn't really grown since his rookie year that much. Maybe defensively he has, but uh, as change of scenery, who knows? It's Portland's a little bit of a quieter city than, than Philly. There's maybe a chance he develops some sort of offensive game there, but I don't think he needs to as much if you have Damian Lillard by your side. I think Dame is also maybe a better influence on him. Uh, he doesn't really have... I guess a veteran presence kind of to guide him uh, in in Philly. Obviously, Embiid is the leader of that team, but by no means a, a vet over Simmons in a way. Uh, Dame has has that experience. He's very well respected around the league. I'm sure. Uh, I think it could be very good for for both of those guys if it could happen. I'm sure it's way more complicated than anything we know. Uh, but I, I think a change for both of them could be good, just just for something different in their careers that they so far it's, it seems like they really need. Yeah. Jack, I'll talk to you after this, but if you're Portland, you're 11-14, and 14, you're out of the playoff picture right now in the Western Conference, or you'd be fighting to get in, and you have the worst defensive rating in the All-of-NBA, I think that's why the Ben Simmons pairing might work. You know, if you're if you're Portland, you know, what, what do you do at this point even? Like, is Ben Simmons the answer, or like, you want to blow it up? Let me read you something real quick. <laughs> okay, I'll listen. The ideal trade partner for Philly has to be Portland. They want an all-star back, and that's CJ. Damian Lillard and CJ need to split. Ben Simmons could basically be a better version of Draymond Green. And if it doesn't work out, Dame isn't happy. They still get a young star back. Yeah. I sent that text on July 13th to Alex Wolves. I've <laughs> wow. been so big on Ben Simmons to Portland like all summer long. I think they have to be the team. And if I'm Philadelphia, are you 
I'm I think I might take that trade. Like I'm take I might take CJ McCollum. Oh, I absolutely. CJ, I think they need to send maybe a, a a pick. Probably a pick with it. And maybe one of their young guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that gets it done because I think that as the Sixers play at a mediocre level, they lose leverage because they're like in a win now mode. They you know, like Maury's trying to play this like, oh, we don't need to rush this, but guess what? Like Joel Embiid is a big man, he gets injured, yeah. they're in a He's win now mode. Lumbers around the yeah, I, I think that it, I think that would be the best case scenario for both teams. Right now CJ McCollum's out, collapsed right lung, so there's no timetable for his return. But given a healthy CJ McCollum, I think that's a pairing that's really interesting to me. And I, I think another thing about the NBA, the modern NBA, is that there's a lot of unknowns now midseason. We got the Kyrie Irving situation, the Ben Simmons situation, the Damian Lillard, I would even call a situation right now because I don't think the relationship between him and the Trailblazers is as good as it's been in the past. So there's really a lot to look out for, and it's going to be really interesting as we get in the coming weeks and we get to talk about this more. But for today's Pick and Pot episode, that's going to do it. Jack Roche, Nick Feta, I'm Michael Calamari. It was a great episode. We'll get it going next week once again. Ping and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.